And today is Sunday, May 22nd in the year 2022. Now, I know I do this a lot. According to the Jewish calendar, it's the 21st day of Ilar, Iyar, 5782. And if you want that in Hebrew, here it is. It was interesting when I was copying this into, into the PowerPoint presentation. That was all one line, those dates. And when I got to the Hebrew part, I had to take the cursor to the, to the right end of the line and bring it back in order to get it because obviously their characters are right to left, not right to left. So some time ago, I taught you about the, the Jewish holy days, and I'm going to do a quick review of that, but before we do, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we pray and thank you for your presence with us here today. We just ask that you open your word to us and help us to understand clearly what you would have us to learn this day. Help me to be clear in the things I say and help me to, to be obedient to your direction and in, in what I have to say here today. This isn't about me. This is about you and your word. Help us to bring honor and glory to you in, in what happens here this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to do a quick review of the Jewish Holy Days because... In order to understand what's happening in, in Jewish lives today, we kind of need to understand where we're at in the Jewish calendar. Uh, now, as we've discussed in, back in August, I think, was when I presented most of this information, uh, there are spring feasts. Uh, in, in the book of Leviticus 23, it's, it gives us the, lays out the seven feasts for us. Now, different people count things different ways. Uh, I know some people, the, the book of Leviticus 23 opens up with uh, making, making sure that the, it's understood that the Sabbath is a holy day. The seventh day is a holy day uh, in which you shall do no work and, and all of this. So some people count that as one of the, the feasts of Leviticus. I'm not counting that one as, as such. Uh, when they do that, they don't count the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread as a separate feast. But we're going to talk about, just very briefly as review, uh, the first feast that's mentioned in Leviticus 23 is Passover. Uh, and immediately following and in conjunction with that uh, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover is a one-day event. It's a holy day. They're to do no work. It's, a, it's considered a Sabbath day, uh, Shabbat uh, in Hebrew. So that, that's a holy day. No work is to be done, and, and we've talked in the past about how crazy they get with their rules about this, and I'm not going to go into detail here, but just, just remember that, that observance of these days in, in Jewish history is very technical, uh, and not everybody in modern-day Judaism follows them quite as strictly, uh, and, you know, like modern Christianity doesn't. Uh, probably pay as much attention to the biblical dictates as we should. So following the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Feast of First Fruits. And really, today I'm going to talk about these three feasts, because getting these right helps us to understand Passover a little bit. And probably next week I'm going to be uh, really filling in the, the blanks on, on what Passover means, uh, not Passover, uh, 
the Feast of Weeks, uh, the, the, final, the, the final day of, of the counting of the Omer. We're going to get into that. I'll get the right feast here shortly. It's, it's the Feast of Weeks. Uh, it has other names, and we'll go into those here shortly. But the reason the, the first three are tied together is because the timing of the Feast of Weeks is tied to uh, what we read in Leviticus 23. And, and, and again, we'll get into that in detail. This is just a quick overview. Then the fall feast, there's three of those. The first is the Feast of Trumpets, and then the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles, or Sukkot. Now, three of these feasts are pilgrimage feasts. And in a pilgrimage feast is, is one in which they are, the Jews are instructed to go to Jerusalem, to go to the temple and assemble there. Uh, in, in the book of Leviticus, it talks about these as days, uh, as uh, holy convocations. And the word convocation here has the meaning of coming together, gathering together, uh, where the other feasts don't have that connotation with it. Those three feasts are Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, so those are the three feasts that, that Jews were commanded to go to Israel uh, in order to uh, worship properly and, and to feast in the, in the proper manner. So Passover, if, if we look at, at Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 4, it talks about Passover. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations. Again, the connotation there is holy gatherings together, uh, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. And the timing here, I want to pay attention to timing a little bit. Uh, I really tried to come up with a slide, a graphic, to show how these times interlock and in, in, intersect with each other and overlap each other. Uh, but I had so much trouble with it, we decided not to do that because it wasn't working. Uh, and, and there's disagreement even in modern Judaism as, as to how they intersect and overlap. We're going to get into that a little bit later too. But Passover in the first month, the first month being the month of Nisan, on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Remember, the Jewish day starts at sunset. At, at the moment of sunset is the beginning of the new day. And the history behind that is pretty simple and fairly obvious. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, when God created the heavens, you know, when God did, was doing all his creation things, the first day was defined by evening and morning, the first day. So Jews consider sunset to be the beginning of the new day. You know, where we... Uh, Midnight is, is the end of, of today and tomorrow. So when you're looking at Jewish calendars, you need to understand that a little bit because, you know, most Jewish calendars, not all, as I found out this week, because I spent most of the week working with one calendar that moved it forward, but most Jewish calendars consider their day to start the, the sunset before like if they say, yeah, I'll, I'll get to an example here a little bit. So 
Passover, again, was, it was a one-day event, a holy convocation. No work is to be done on that day. That day is considered a Sabbath. The Sabbath in, in Jewish culture means more than just the Saturday. The Sabbath is any day that's considered a holy day by God, which includes Passover. It includes the Day of Atonement. It includes Rosh Hashanah and a few others. Uh, these things are all considered Sabbaths. They're to do no work on these days. They're considered holy. And, and that brings up a little confusion in, in what I'm going to talk about for the Feast of, of First Fruits. So the next feast is the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is a seven-day feast, uh, and it begins the day after Passover and, and ends seven days later. Then the Feast of First Fruits, which we're going to spend a lot of time on today, and so I won't go into a lot of detail here. But if we read this passage, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land which I'm going to give to you and reap its harvest. Now this is interesting because these laws were handed down when? When they were still wandering in the desert, 40 years before they came into it. So here's, you know, they gave Passover, celebrate this. Do this now because this has already been done for you. And it's fresh in their minds, too, the, as far as Passover and unleavened bread. Uh, but this one, first fruits, isn't to be celebrated until they go into the land. Uh, when you enter the land, which I am to, going to give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, this, this harvest... Uh, is considered by most to be the barley harvest, which is an early harvest. So you bring in the first sheaves of the of the the barley which is growing, which is the first thing that you reap in the new growing season, in the new harvest season. So uh, that's where first uh, first fruits is based on the barley harvest. Later is the wheat harvest, which we'll talk about when we talk about Pentecost. The festival of weeks, or Pente- what we call Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is just a Greek word that means 50 days. So, from the uh, from the festival of first fruits, that's considered day one, and then they enter into a period that they call counting of the Omer. We're going to again, I'll fill in some details here, but the counting of the Omer is something that they do every day until they get to 50 days. And we see that in the uh, description here of the Festival of Weeks. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of wave offering, that would be the Feast of first fruits. there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. And this is different. We're going to get into the details on this later. Uh, The next feast, that takes care of the spring feast. Then the the fall feasts uh, starts with Rosh Hashanah, or the the Feast of Trumpets. Speak to the sons, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by the blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Again, uh, these kind of all tie together. the fall feasts fall very quickly one after another. The Feast of Trumpets begins a period uh, of purification in preparation for the Day of Atonement. 
The Lord said to Moses on exactly the 10th day of the seventh month. Rosh Hashanah is is the Feast of Trumpets. It's also considered the Jewish New Year. So why is this the seventh month? (sighs) That's a whole lesson in itself. (laughs) Uh, But the month of Nisan is considered the first month because that was the month they first came out of of Egypt. Uh, And in keeping with that, that's why the feasts are dated from that time. Uh, but the secular calendar, if you will, in the Jew- Jewish tradition is uh, the seventh month uh, at, and begins with the Day of Atonement or Rosh Hashanah. And that leads uh, from the Day of Atonement, then that leads into the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Uh, and this, uh, this is a seven-day feast as well. As, as other things. So, so the feast season begins with a seven-day feast, and it ends with a seven-day feast. Uh, I got ahead of myself. Now, dating of these feasts, uh, each month, uh, in the month of Nisan, we have Passover, which begins on the 14th day, the, the feast of, I'm sorry, the print's so small, uh, the feast of uh, unleavened bread then is in that period as well, as is the feast of uh, first fruits. Then 50 days later, and in the meantime, we're counting the Omer, uh, which is, again, commanded, as, as we read in Leviticus uh, and the culmination of, of the counting of the Omer, the 50 days period, ends in the month of Sivan, uh, Sivan uh, with Shavat, which is the, the Feast of Weeks, and is one of, the, one of the pilgrimage feasts, again, as I said. Uh, the month of Kisla, uh, Teshri, is the September-October period when the high holy days of the Israel faith, uh, Rosh Hashanah uh, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, uh, Sukkot, which is the Feast of Booths. Again, there's pilgrimage festivals in here. You know, there's all kinds of New Year's in the Jewish tradition, and we talked about that a while ago. Uh, you know, they've even got a New Year for trees. They've got a New Year for animals, uh, And so all of these New Year's get confusing if you're trying to uh, follow along. And then at the beginning of each month is a festival or a feast time called Rosh Kodesh, uh, which is just a celebration of the new month. Uh, You know, again, I went into a lot of detail in the past about how they determined the new month in in ages gone by. Uh, But for the last uh, century and a half or more, They've standardized the the months to to make it more predictable. It used to be until a witness came to the temple uh, and said, I have seen the new moon. That's what, and it took two witnesses uh, to to come to the temple to the priest, and they would interview them and ask them certain questions, all very ritualistic and and, uh, steeped in tradition. So when all this occurred, and, and it was deemed to be accurate, that's when the, the priest would say, we've had a new day. And, and it was 
sometimes difficult to ascertain because you're looking for the new moon, the new sliver of the moon, and then you say, yes, the, the day started last night. Uh, so by, by doing it this way, it, it was somewhat unpredictable. Uh, so they kind of started celebrating when they thought it would be a day early or a day late, and this was this is Rosh Kadesh. So let's go back to, to first fruits again, and we'll get into the, the meat of what I want to talk about. And there are two feasts of first fruits, and, and I mentioned them both. Uh, there's, there's the early first fruits, which is uh, the first fruits that happens right after the beginning of, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or right after the Sabbath in the Feast of uh, right after Passover. And it took place uh, in this period of time during Passover and unleavened bread and coincided again with the barley harvest. Uh, Latter first fruits is also a celebration, and that's what the Feast of Weeks is. Uh, It's called different things in different places in the Bible. Uh, And that's really the time of the wheat harvest. So you have early first fruits of the barley harvest and latter first fruits uh, at the time of harvest. And that's called the Feast of Weeks. Now, the celebration of this first fruits, early first fruits weeks, uh, we read about in Leviticus 23 again. Again, probably good to just stay in Leviticus because we're going to be there the whole day. So, in verses, uh, starting in verse 9, we, yeah, I don't need that. We read this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now there's a couple things in here that we can unpack a little bit. Uh, first, they're bringing the first fruits to the temple, to the priest in the temple to wave before the Lord. So this is something that has to happen in the temple. So obviously since 70 AD, there's been no temple. So this feast, if you look at a Jewish calendar, and most of them are this way, none of them have the early first fruits feast listed. They don't celebrate it today because there's no temple to bring the sheaf to. So they just don't celebrate it. And for most of that period of time, I mean, it was a hundred years later that they were completely kicked out of the promised land, but they haven't even been in the land. So it's only since 1948 that they've been back in the land to celebrate something that God told them when they're in the land, celebrate this. But it, as near as I can tell, modern Jews do not celebrate early first fruits, except for this, that they do the counting of the Omer, which we're going to get into. Uh, But here it it says, uh, on the day when you wave it, you shall offer a male lamb, one-year-old, and without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall then be two-tenths of an ephah of, of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma with its drink offering, a fourth of a hint of wine. Now what you see here, you've got the the animal sacrifice, the lamb sacrifice. 
uh, representing a meat in a meal. You've got the, the grain offering with fine flour. And the process for making this flour is, is very intricate and very detailed and, and very precise. Again, I've, I've talked about the precision at which Jews practice their, their traditions and their religions. Uh, so it, it's very precise and very exacting. So we've got uh, the meat and the, and the bread represented in these, in these offerings. They've also got uh, the wine uh, as being offered as a, as a sacrifice. So the, the main elements of a, a full meal, a full feast meal, are represented here in the gifts to God. So, <coughs> and again, the offering of the, of the grain is is a sheaf of grain and in the fine flour uh, we'll see the latter first fruits offering is different than this and and we'll go into some of the reasons for that as well so as we continue to look at first fruits you know the timing here uh he says uh if i can find the now on the day you wave the sheaf uh sorry the verse previous uh, he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priests shall wave it. Now, we said Passover is a Sabbath. And Passover begins the week, uh, the week feast of unleavened bread. So not only do we have a Sabbath for the Passover, we have what would be the normal Sabbath, the Saturday uh, Sabbath that falls somewhere in that week. Now they might overlap, they may not. Uh, we know that on the week that Christ died, uh, Passover was on Friday. I mean, that was when the Passover lamb was slain. Christ was was crucified and died at the same hour that the Passover lambs were being slain for the Passover cedar that night. So uh, that was the first day. The second day was the Sabbath where no work was done. And the day following that then, here we have no argument and, and no disagreement uh, on which Sabbath is meant in this passage. Is it the Sabbath that Passover creates? So if, if the Sabbath, if Passover's on Tuesday, that's a Sabbath. So is the day after the Sabbath going to be Wednesday or is it the day after the Sabbath of the week, which is Saturday, so it's Sunday again? Now, there were two groups in ancient Israel <laughs> that took different positions on this. And you'll never guess which two groups they were. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know, one group believed that the Sabbath referred to here was the Sabbath of Passover. And in modern in modern Judaism, that's considered to be the Sabbath that we're talking about here. So the, the, the day after that Sabbath is the Feast of First Fruits, or actually the only thing they recognized is day one of the counting of the Omer. Uh, so the, the other group believed that it was referring to the regular weekly Sabbath. So if if Passover was on Tuesday, the Feast of First Fruits wouldn't have been until Sunday, and that would have been the first day of the Omer. Uh, 
Now, again, in modern Judaism, they follow the practice. I don't know if it's because of the connotation now with the Messiah. It is very much a messianic type of, 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 of connotation with this Feast of First Fruits, or at least it has become since the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that day, the Feast of First Fruits. So, you know, you've got these competing ideas of when the Omer count starts, when the Feast of First Fruits is, and, and it's really, again, in modern practice, it's fallen to the day after the Sabbath of the Passover. Uh, so that's where they a- actually uh, practice this. Now, it is unusual. Most of the feasts that were given in Leviticus are given a date, the 14th of Nisan, or the day, the first day of the seventh month, or the 10th day of the seventh month, or the, or the, you know, these are fixed dates in the Jewish calendar. Now, the Jewish calendar, like our calendar, you know, the 22nd of May next year isn't going to be on a Sunday. So, the days change. Uh, there are certain feasts uh, having to do with the Day of Atonement and, and uh, Rosh Hashanah that can't fall on a regular Sabbath, so they've kind of adjusted their calendar so that in their standard calendar now, those days don't ever fall on a Saturday. Uh, so, you know, these dates can change, well, what day of the week it is or, or that. Uh, that changes with the Jewish calendar just like it does the, the Gregorian calendar. So, you know, with this vagueness uh, of, of what date, uh, you know, it, it, it can get lost uh, as to what was really meant or intended. Now, Christianity uh, definitely takes the view that the Sabbath that's referred to as the regular weekly Sabbath, and we celebrate Passover, 50 days following the Feast of First Fruits, which to us was the date that Christ arose from the dead, the resurrection, as Paul described it in, in his epistles, the, the first fruits uh, of the resurrection. Christ is identified as the first fruit. So uh, we celebrate Passover 50 days later, which also happens to fall, and doesn't happen, it falls on a Sunday. So the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Passover over both fall on the same day of the week. And so in that sense, Passover in, in tr- Christian tradition doesn't always fall or follow uh, the, the Feast of Weeks in Jewish tradition. They will sometimes, but most of the time uh, they fall on different days of the week because of where the Jew- Jews start counting. Um, now that was kind of, I know that was a little laborious getting through, and I apologize for that, but uh, I just found that to be one of the more interesting things, that, that you know, there's that difference. Uh, and it, it's a difference that may have been uh, caused or at least influenced by the, the Christian tradition attaching the importance of the resurrection of Christ to that feast of first fruits. So, uh, now I've kind of gone through this discussion a little bit. It was the it was the uh, 
I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes now that now that I've talked about it all the time, here's my notes. Um, you know, the Sadducees uh, are the ones that believed that the uh, Feast of First Fruits fell on the day after the regular Sabbath, so they would have believed that it fell on Sunday. Uh, the Pharisees um, believed that it fell after the, the Sabbath for the Passover. And I think I covered everything else in my notes, so I'm doing pretty good. You know, there were there was, you know, and, and here's a chart that shows the differences, perhaps in in. Uh, this is this is the dates for the 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 Pesach or Pesach, the uh, Passover. So this is the date that Passover starts on, and I see something interesting in this, uh, as well. As I read Leviticus chapter uh, 4, it's, it tells me in verse, or verse 5, Leviticus 23, 5, in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. But these calendars all have it on the 15th. <laughs> and that was pretty common as I went through different Jewish calendars, and I don't know why, I can't explain that. But I know that there are two cedar meals in regular celebration of of. Passover, there's the cedar meal that Christ celebrated with his disciples on the day before, on the night that he was arrested. And that would have been the first cedar. And that would have happened the day before the Passover. So I think that celebration on the 14th is what that first cedar meal kind of correlates. So that's how I can bring it back into focus a little bit. I really haven't found anything scholarly telling me why all the calendars say the 15th when Leviticus says the 14th. And if I find that in the next week, I'll let you know next week. So hang on. So, you know, these are the, these are the dates that Passover starts, and, and the Gregorian dates are given there as well. And as we look at that, we see that, you know, it falls on every day it could possibly fall on, and, and only in the year 2025 in this chart does it fall on a date that would put Feast of First Fruits on a Sunday? So most of the time, Feast of First Fruits in Jewish practice does not fall on a Sunday. So just a little aside there. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, Paul references the Feast of First Fruits in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 20 and 23. This is a familiar passage to us. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. And again, we talked about that passage this morning too. In Sunday school, you know the the first fruits, and, and keep in mind that, you know, I I read came across somebody that said, you know, this resurrection is different than a resuscitation. You know, we resuscitate people today all the time. Bring, you know, they've had a heart attack or they've they've had a some trauma to their body, and we resuscitate them and bring them back to life. Is that a miracle? Well, no. The miracle at resurrection is that. 
the renewing to life is permanent for all time. And, and only those in Christ uh, will enjoy that, that all-time life with, with Christ and with God forever and ever. So that's just a little aside. You know, you know again, going back to Passion Week, what we refer to as Passion Week, the resurrection, uh, we know that it occurred on a Sunday because of the way that it's described. If we look at the historical timing of Christ's death and resurrection, it, it, it talks in Mark 16, verse 2, uh, very early in the morning, it says, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. Speaking of the women who came to the tomb, they couldn't go on Saturday because that was the Sabbath. So the day after the Sabbath, which Mark identified as the first day of the week, or what we consider Sunday, uh, that's when Christ arose. They came to the tomb and found it empty. You know, Jesus uh, became the first fruits for us, and, and the rest of the harvest will come. It says here in this passage, uh, you know, and after that, those who are Christ's at his coming. So we've got that to look forward to. Celebrating the first fruits, uh, you know, as Christians, how do we celebrate or how can we celebrate? Uh, you know, I'll get to that, but, you know, first, why would we celebrate the, the first fruits? Uh, and I, I found a quote that I like. Uh, the source isn't necessarily the best, uh, but I'll give you the quote. Uh, this week we are actually celebrating not one, not two, but three distinct holidays. Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Day of First Fruits. These three festivals speak of three stages stages of salvation justification sanctification and glorification and i hope that's a, a familiar distinction to all of you i've got a slide later if it'll jog your memory if you haven't seen it for a while but how do we celebrate how do we as christians celebrate first fruits today uh, Leviticus 23, verse 14, again, talking about how, to, how the first fruits was, was, was supposed to be practiced. Until this same day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all of your dwelling places. So the Jews were not allowed to even eat of that early harvest until the Feast of First Fruits, until that portion given to God, till that best portion uh, was given to God. So we, we've got uh, many blessings that come into each of our lives in each and every day. And we need to recognize that the things we have, the good things that we have in life, come from God's hand we've you know we work and we labor and we say we earn or we deserve things uh, you know as I've said before many times up here you know thank I thank God every day I don't get what I deserve uh, because as a man I've got so many failings so many places and times when my thoughts my actions and words 
fall short of what God really wants us to be, that, that I thank God every day I don't get what I deserve. So those blessings that I do get, I need to make sure that I am aware of that. And the way God told the Israelites here in this Feast of first fruits is take the beginning, take what you get at the beginning and recognize that it's from God's hand that this comes. So that's what he's saying. So we need to keep that in mind as we go throughout each and every day, really. Uh, there's a couple of other ways that we can celebrate as Christians. And we can, of course, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, what, what we call in the world Easter uh, is really this celebration of first fruits. And Christ, as, as Paul mentioned in, in the passage that we read in Corinthians, uh, Christ is the first fruits, and his raising was that promise fulfilled. Um, and more, more than that, we can testify of Jesus. Uh, the sheaves of grain that compromised the first fruits were waved. Uh, now, it's not a very good analogy, but, you know, we can wave our testimony of Jesus into the world as a way of giving thanks to him, you know, letting people know who we are and why, you know, be ready and give that answer uh, why we have hope. You know, hope is a hard thing to find in this world right now. Uh, but we have hope because of what Christ has done for us, because of the promises that God has made. That gives us hope. And that's where we, that's where we can be as, as Christians. We need to live our lives in a way that shines that light in this dark world. And we need to be ready to give that answer uh, to people who ask, why do you have hope? Why do you have that joy? And, and joy uh, is, is a wonderful thing. But, you know, like Christ was lifted up on the cross, we need to lift our testimony up and, and wave it uh, before God so that people can see who we are and ask us why and, and give us an opportunity to share our faith with them each and every day. You know, the other... I, I kind of mentioned this, but, you know, the, the, the idea of first fruits and waving this early harvest, you know, we're not all farmers. Some of us are. <laughs> uh, all of us, I think most of us, grow gardens, so we understand the idea of that first fruits. But we are all workers in this world. We receive blessings from God's hand uh, through the labors that we have, through, you know, other sources and whatever. And we need to acknowledge uh, that in, in offering back to God that which is his already. Now, you know, we, we take an offering here, free will. I'm not making an appeal for an offering here. You know, from, from a, a standpoint of this church, we don't care how you offer your, your gifts back to God out of the bounty that he gives you. It doesn't have to be here. If you've got a missionary that you support, if you've got a, a cause that you are supporting, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, if that's what God has led you to, that's great. But acknowledge that what you have comes from God. That's the point of it, not necessarily to fill our box, but to give back to God, to let him use those things that he has blessed you with.
So, you know, again, these three feasts really speak to uh, these three tenses of salvation, as I mentioned. Justification at Passover, uh, that sacrifice of the lamb at Passover paid the, you know, identified uh, what God was doing in the lives of the Israelites. But the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at the same moment uh, really provided the justification. The wages of sin is death, a very familiar verse. Uh, but Jesus paid that price. We are bought with a price, folks. Uh, we deserve what Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered for what we deserved. It, it's really simple. Uh, Jesus took upon himself the sin of all men. And he's giving us the gift of eternal life. All we have to do, as you know, I love the story of, of Jesus on the cross with the two criminals next to him. Uh, you know, the one was throwing curses at God, and the other said, You know, we're only getting what we deserve, but this man was is sinless. He's an innocent man dying for the sins of mankind. Uh, but he took upon himself. Uh, the, the weight and the sin and the pain and the, the agony uh, of, of, of that penalty that we owed. And, and so our account has been paid in full, that justification that we get by Jesus providing uh, that full payment for us. All we have to do is just like what he said to the, to the sinner on the cross next to him who said, Christ, when you get into your home, uh, just remember me. And Christ said, because you believe, essentially, because you believe, this day you will be with me in paradise. So all we have to do is believe. You know, that's the, I've, again, I've used this example before. There's a, a national preacher that uh, talks about the ABCs of salvation. And it's, it's a simplistic look, admit, believe, and, and confess. Well, the only thing you really have to do is believe. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I was listening to that preacher, and and I usually don't listen when he gets into the ABCs because I grumble under my breath when I hear him say it. But he admitted (laughs) that the only one that was really essential in those three was to believe. You know, it's that simple. It's one thing. We have to believe uh, all all of our sins and and, and everything wrong that we have done, our sins of omission and commission, uh, they were all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are fully justified, not because we deserve it, but because we accept it, because we believe, because we believe Jesus is who he claimed to be. He claimed to be the Son of God. That's why he was put on the cross. He claimed to be the Son of God in front of so many people uh, his claim to be the Son of God was why the priest tore his robes when they were, when when Jesus was before him. You know that that wasn't something that was done lightly. Uh, and that when the high priest tore his robes, that was him saying, "This man has committed blasphemy because nobody can claim to be the Son of God." He was wrong. Uh, Jesus is who he said he was, and he provided that justification for us. And like the the day that Jesus spent in the tomb uh, on the Sabbath, 
uh, in that interlude between uh, justification and glorification, that's the period that we're in in our lives, that time of sanctification, when we learn and strive to be more and more every day uh, what God would have us to be. Uh, that's that period of time. We will be glorified, but right now we're in that period of sanctification where through study of his word, uh, through listening to messages from uh, Kurt and others, uh, helping us to understand God's word and what we should be, that's the that sanctification step that we need to go through in order to be the witnesses in this world that God wants us to be. And everything that we do here is to equip us as Christians to go out into the world and to bring his message to those that we run across. Uh, That's the purpose for which we're still here. God doesn't take us out of this world as soon as we believe because he's got work for us to do. We are called. We're We're a special group this church. We are his word. Uh, We're his arms and feet and mouth in this world to to share his message, his gospel message to those around us. And like Christ rose on that day of first fruits, we also will rise when Christ returns. As Paul told us in Corinthians, uh, when he returns, he will gather us all together. And we will be with him. We will rise incarnate, whether we're living or dead. When we meet him in the air, we will have our incarnate bodies. We will be with him as he is today. (coughs) He is that, he has that, um, that body that won't, won't decay. Uh, My, my sore knees and my aching back and my poor feet will be gone. All of the infirmities that I have as a, as a human being in this world, as a mortal being, all of that will be gone. There will be nothing but joy, uh, no sadness, no tears, no crying. The presence of God will be with us and we will be with him forever and ever because of the glorification, that, that third part that, that the Feast of, of First Fruits represents and Christ represents to us in fulfillment of the promises that God made. That's really all I want to talk about today, and I appreciate the time that you've given me. Uh, I, I got a little deep at the end. I, you know, I keep thinking I'm not going to do a real deep message, but this one, this one really... Uh, I think it's important for us to understand in in the way that it's presented. Uh, You know, God gave us pictures so many times in in what he did for the nation of Israel as an example of how he's going to treat the world or how he's treating us. Uh, This justification, sanctification, and glorification that, that Christ himself went through is just an example of what is in store for us. You know, we're in that second phase now if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And we have that third phase to look forward to. And it will be a glorious day. A glorious day. Let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, for this time that you've given to us. We are encouraged uh, by the words that we see in, in your 
in your word, the Bible that you have preserved for us through all of time. (coughs) Help us to bring honor and glory to you as we live our lives. Help us to live lives pleasing to you. Help us to encourage one another as we grow in Christ. Uh, Help us to be uh, diligent in, in our obedience to the things that you set before us. We do thank you for uh, this day and, and for, the again, the, the fellowship of this body of believers. Help us to bring your word to the, to the world in front of us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.